Well, sweet. We are, um, I'm, I'm just going to jump in. Pretty excited about tonight. Got a lot of stuff to say. And then Charles has even more stuff to say, which I'm really excited about what he has to say. And so we're just going to dive right in. Di- tonight, we're going to talk about two things, truth and deception. I will talk about truth, and then Charles will go and talk about deception. Um, I got way too much stuff for uh, the time that I have. It's almost like eating uh, one of Damani's burgers, or honestly, one of uh, Micah's. I don't know where you are, Micah. Number two, that was a great burger. And then also Nathan and Jacob. Y'all's burger was so good, all of y'all. It's, uh, tonight is going to be, especially with my part, it's going to be kind of like eating one bite of their burger. You know, it's like it's a crime. It's a travesty. It shouldn't be done where you just eat a bite. You should have the whole thing. You should probably have like three of them because they were that good. But uh, good job, Damani, for winning. Uh, sorry, Charles. But we're going to talk about truth tonight. Really excited about it. Not going to do it justice in the time that I have, but it'll be really cool. We're in a convic- in this series called Convictions. And no, this is not about, you know, how to stay out of prison. This is a series about convictions that we have. And, you know, if you look up in the dictionary what conviction means, it means a firmly held belief or an opinion. And so we've looked at things in Scripture. It's like, okay, God, what have you talked about a lot? What convictions can I develop from this? And then how can I go and apply this to my life? Because our hope here at uh, Chi Alpha here at WVU is that you would go on to be lifelong followers of Jesus. And this series, we're trying to think through things where how can you be best prepared? What, what are the key things that we want to know? What are the key convictions that we want to have? What convictions do we want to catch before we move on from w, uh, you know, to wherever you go after WVU? And so tonight we're going to talk about truth specifically and deception. But when we talk about truth specifically, we're going to talk about, ooh, almost forgot. I know this is, I don't usually do stuff like this, but I have to make sure I don't go over on time. But we're going to talk about, number one, how to foster the right attitude when it comes to truth. We want to have the right attitude approaching truth. And that, that may seem kind of strange to you, but I'll explain that in a bit. And then I'm going to talk about what truth actually is, what the Bible says truth is. And it's, and it's kind of radical, but it should be good. And so the first thing, how do you have the right attitude approaching truth Funny story, funny to me at least, maybe not to y'all. A friend of ours, he's a well-known speaker. He gets to travel around speaking, and so when you're a well-known speaker, people like to listen to you, and so they invite you places. And so he got invited to a university to come speak, and he's speaking to a very large auditorium. And a professor who is not a Christian brings his classes. The professor was pretty skeptical, but he knew the speaker had a big reputation, so he came and checked him out. Well, after our friends finished speaking, the professor was so impressed with what he had to say that he came up to him afterwards and he was like, okay, okay, you had some really good stuff to say and I have some questions for you. And our friend was like, oh, okay, cool, I'll answer your questions. And so he says, okay, I've always wondered this about Christianity. He answers it and the guy's like, oh, wow, that's impressive. Okay, well, what about this? And he asks another question, our friend answers it and he's like, wow, that, I've never heard that before. That, that's really good. That, I mean, that, that sounds awesome. And then he says, okay, I've always had this question, and, I, and I've asked Christians before, and they, they never even ha- are able to even try to answer it. I'm interested to see what you say. So he asks the question, he answers it, and the guy's like, that was amazing. I've never heard that before. My, my mind is blown, basically. And then he says, okay, well, I have a question about this. And our friend is like, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. 
you got all these questions. I have a question for you. I'll answer your questions. I don't mind answering them. Just answer this for me. And the guy was like, oh, okay, sure. And he said, if I answer all of your questions correctly and say everything that you want to hear in a way that you've never heard it before, will you at the end of this bow down to Jesus and worship him and declare him that he is God? And the guy was like, F no, <laughs> and walked away. I have another story, but I'm not going to say that story because I don't have the time to say it. <laughs> Both stories illuminate this one point, and this is, this is, this is throughout Scripture as well. Intent is prior to content. The attitude that you bring in regards to any, in regards to how you approach any truth is actually more important than the actual truth that you come across. Because if your mind is already made up regarding what you're going to think or what you're going to believe, then it doesn't really matter what you're going to hear. You're only going to listen to the things that reaffirm what you already believed, and you're going to throw out whatever didn't already reaffirm what you already thought to begin with, which therefore is not an attitude of a real truth seeker. Here at Kyle Alpha, we want to have attitudes where we are actually approaching truth and saying, okay, Lord, I'm not going to tell you what I w Caitlin said it so well. She's like, you know, you, you, you want to hold on to that 5% of control. And so as Christians, we'll go and we'll read certain scriptures and we'll be like, oh, okay, that's really good. That's really good. I'm going to highlight that. I'm gonna, oh, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to put that on Instagram. Bam, that's really good. Oh, hold on. This no, no, no. See, I don't like doing that on this day of the week, or I don't like doing that at all, or hold on, that is way uncomfortable, so therefore, I'm not interested in that. And so we basically kind of cut that out, and it's not really a big deal to us, or it's not really true. But we want to be seekers of truth where we look at all of the Bible and we say, okay, what you say is true, and I'll let your word define me rather than me go and look to define your word. But this doesn't just apply to Christians, this applies to all people. Maybe you're not a Christian, maybe you're just seeking, maybe, maybe you don't know what to think about anything. Do you approach things where you're like, all right, I don't really say that I have a belief system, but anything that doesn't agree with what I already have set in my mind, I'm not going to do that. It's probably not the best intention in regards to how you approach truth. So... There is a story that I love, and I wish that we could spend so much time on it, but we can't. It's a story between Jesus and Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate is the man who will judge Jesus. The people have delivered him up. This is Jesus' last day living because he is about to die. He has been delivered to death by the people and the religious leaders. And this man is the governor of the whole area, and he is talking to Jesus, and he is like, all right, all right, all right. Look, these people say that you've done a lot of things. I need to find out what's true because that's what a judge does. A judge goes and tries to find out what is actually true. And so in talking with Jesus, we're going to go to the kind of like the end of the dialogue. Sorry we, can't, sorry, we can't, sorry we can't read the whole thing. But he says, verse 37, Then Jesus said to Pilate, So you are a king. Jesus answered him, You say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of truth listens to my voice. Hold up. Did y'all hear that? He didn't say everyone from Israel, everyone who's a Jew, or everyone who 
weighs this much. Everyone who is of this color, this race, this creed, not everyone who is even a Christian, everyone who is on the side of truth listens to my voice. Everyone on the side of truth. That's not what he said, because I jumped ahead. But, well, that is what he said, but I'm sorry. Verse 38, Pilate asked the most profound question he could ask, but then he has the most wrong-headed response that he could have. He says, what is truth? After he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in this man. What a terrible response to truth. Why do I say that he asked the most profound question that he could have asked? He asked him, what is truth? I think if he wouldn't have left, Jesus would have given him this response. Pilate, you, you asked the wrong question. The question should not be, what is truth? The question is, who is truth? Who is truth? That, that's what he would have said. Why do I say that Jesus would have said that? Why would I go and basically tell you what scripture would be if there was a different future. The reason I say that is because I'm actually quoting exactly what Jesus said the very night before. He's with his disciples, and he's saying, look, I'm about to leave this earth, and when I leave, don't worry. You'll be all right. And the disciples, Thomas, I love Thomas. Thomas is awesome. He's so honest. He speaks up, and he's like, look, Jesus, look, I'm going to say what everybody else is thinking. We don't know the way to truth. We want, I mean, we don't know the way to the Father. You're about to leave us, and we don't know how to actually get to where we need to be. You're the person who's been leading us for these three years. You've been living with us. You've been telling us what to do. And now you're about to leave, and we're supposed to, we're supposed to just know what to do, where to go, who to follow. And we kind of find ourselves asking the exact same question. God, if you were here, there are so many questions that I have for you. I would ask you this, and I would ask you this. I'd ask you what I need to do today, but I don't have you here. How do I know what is true? How do I know what is right? How, I, how do I even know the way that I should be going? This is a great question that Thomas asked. What, what is the way? Like, what is the way to actually follow you? Like, how do I know where you're going? How do I know to be on the side of truth? And Jesus gives this answer, which is kind of one of those Jesus non-answers that is an answer. But then when you find out what, what the answer really means, it's like, it is so cool. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. <laughs> Jesus doesn't say, I will show you the way. He doesn't say, I am the prophet who teaches the way. He says, I am the very essence of truth. And it seems like one of those non-answers where you're like, man, that, that is not an answer. Yeah, that sounds cool. That's a great quote. But that doesn't do anything for me. But it is so cool when you unpack that and you see what he is really saying. At the heart of what he is saying is that Christianity, this thing that I'm about, it is actually not a philosophy. If it was a philosophy, you could come and approach me with all of your questions and I could just answer the questions. It's not therapy. You could just approach me with all of your needs and say, hey, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. It's not that. Christianity is first a relationship. 
And it's not until you see it as a relationship that you could make any progress in regards to truth at all. He is saying, I am truth. I, if you want to know truth, you have to be in relationship with me, and that's how you'll have, that's how you'll have the ultimate truth there is to know about the universe. It said in the beginning, he was with God. He was with God in the beginning. All things that came to be, came to be through him. He could tell you about what the universe is and how to see it clearly. He could tell you how to get to the Father, how to dwell with the Father, how to be with the triune God in this life and in the life to come. And he is the one who will show you the life of someone who lives in truth. When you live in truth, there are, there, there's fruit that comes from that. There's a life that comes from that. And that's what he's saying. This is like this is like some crazy stuff. And I made sure that I didn't I made sure that I, I spoke fast enough to be able to say this because I was I was hoping I, did, I just didn't want to leave this out. Three things. The reason there's there's three things about why this is so cool. The first thing is a story by E. Stanley Jones. Some of y'all have read The Christ of the Indian Road. This is in the book, The Christ of the Indian Road. If you haven't read the book, I didn't bring it tonight. I like to give out books, but I'm making a lot of promises about books that I'm going to give, and they haven't given out any, but I will give out one eventually. This is a book that you should read. Two doctors are sitting together. Not really sitting. One's actually dying because he's on his deathbed. And then the other doctor is next to him, and he's urging him, hey, you're dying. Dude, you really need to surrender your life to God and put your faith in Jesus. And the other doctor is utterly amazed, and he says this. This light dawned on him, and he said, all my life I have been bothered with what to believe. And now I see it is not what I should believe, but whom to trust. Who to trust. We talked about this last week. How to live out Christianity? It is trusting God every day. Bless you. Two reasons why this is so refreshing to me, that God All right, let me just make sure I turn this off. That God identifies as truth, and he doesn't say that he is like the shower of truth. Because, number one, if you are in a relationship with him, he will reveal truth to you along the way. He doesn't say, I am, I am, I go and tell you one truth, and this truth is the answer to all truths. He says, a relationship with me will always keep you in the light of truth. If you are near me, you will always be on the side of truth. You will be able to see the, this world for what it really is and know how to live and how to walk in the light. The best way I could sum this up is that Jesus says that he is the light of the world. That means that he is the one who illuminates the whole world and you are able to see it for what it really is. Like you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh man, what does this room look like? Lights come on. You know what you, you you know where things are. You know you know what to walk over, how to not trip. C.S. Lewis says it perfectly. He says, "I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see the sun, but because by the sun, I am able to see everything else clearly." He reveals truth to us through this relationship. And the last thing I, I want to say is that. Another reason why this is so cool that Christianity is first a relationship and it's not a set of truths and you're not going to understand the truths until you are in this relationship is because 
we don't actually have the strength and the power to do what we know we should do. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about when I say this, because how many of y'all, I'm going to raise my hand before I even finish this, how many of y'all, you start a diet one day, and, and before the day is over, you have already ended that diet? Yes. All right, the rest of y'all, y'all's hands aren't up? I know y'all are lying. Y'all know y'all are lying. I, you start a diet, and you're like, all right, I'm not going to go over there. I'm not going to get those cookies. I'm not. And then when everybody's gone, it's two, 12, 12, 12 o'clock in the morning. All right, I'm just going to eat one. And then what happens? Eight cookies are gone before you go to bed. Like, that is, like, we know, we actually know so much truth. Our struggle is not what truth is. Our struggle is how to actually do what we know we ought to do. We know what we shouldn't be eating, but the struggle is actually being able not to eat it. In a relationship, he says this relationship is transforming. It transforms you. It gives you power. He will keep you in the light of truth, and he will empower you to be able to actually live out the truth that you know. Everybody who smokes cigarettes knows that cigarettes aren't good for them. They keep smoking because they can't stop. Nobody who does heroin is like, oh, that's the cocaine. But anyways, they're like, <laughs> they don't do that and say, like, I, like, look, I know this is good for me. This is great. Like, no, it's, they know it's bad for them, but they can't stop. Charles is going to come up, and he's going to talk about what it looks like when you don't live in the truth. Romans 1, 18, Paul says, the unrighteous, they know the truth, but they suppress the truth that they have. Our issue is not that we don't know truth. Our issue is that is what we do with the truth that we have it when we have it. And I think this is so cool because so few people talk about so few people talk about what it actually looks like to be deceived. So excited. Thanks. Cool. So, suppression of the truth. <laughs> Thanks, Ashley. Um, suppression of the truth has a lot of results to it. And uh, that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. These results, a lot of times you think the results are actually the scariest part, but the scariest part isn't immorality on TV or in movies or books or in real life or any of these things that we see like immorality in that's a bad thing but the real scariest thing is the absence of god in all of these things that we look at and us not recognizing it so william booth probably sick of hearing about him i love him he said the greatest danger maybe it's up there the greatest danger will be religion without the holy spirit Salvation without regeneration, faith without repentance, politics without God, and heaven without a hell, and Christianity without Christ. Talk about the results of suppressing the truth. I'm just going to call that deception because it's a lot shorter, okay? Deception is a lie. It's a blatant attack. It is something that you can control. And it is something that you can real like you won't realize it's it's that you're doing it until after the fact, okay? 
Deception is not being caught up in something. It's like it's like a con man comes after you. A con man doesn't just sit. He's not a beggar, right? The opposite. The difference between a con man and a beggar is that a con man actively pursues you and gains your confidence and takes everything that you have before you realize it and then leaves you with nothing. That's what deception is. It's not a lie. It's not ignorance. It's not passive. And it's also something that if you beat it once, it may not go away. Okay? You got to be on guard. So there was a serial killer that I'm going to quote. Um, <laughs> such a sick quote. So he gave an interview the day before he was executed in, in the 80s. And he said this. It happens in stages. He's talking about becoming a serial killer. He didn't wake up one. Okay? It happens in stages, gradually. It doesn't necessarily, at least not for me, happen overnight. C.S. Lewis said this, kind of the same, same idea. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, and without signposts. So we'll call this, de like this decline or gradual movement into deception, the development of deception tonight, okay? That's what I'm going to talk about. It's a dark process, okay? I feel like I'm like a little bit of a villain after what Jordan said, but <laughs> this is a huge deal. I'm not villain. I'm like more like Professor Snape, okay? Defense against the dark arts. So it's a pathway away from the light or the truth and into darkness for eternity, I don't say any of this stuff, like, don't hear any of these things. Like, he was talking about intent. Don't hear any of this stuff as like, oh, he's just trying to scare me. I really am not trying to scare you. I want to give you guys ammo, and I want to give you guys equipment in order to defend yourself against deception, against this development. We love you. We love you. For real, we want you guys to be lifelong followers of Jesus, not just for this life, but for eternity. And that's why we're saying these things. So in Colossians, he says, the, the principles of this, you can either follow the principles of this world or you can follow Christ, okay? So the principles of this world say that if you have the wrong ideas, you will live wrong. But the Bible says if you live wrong, then you give way to the wrong ideas and they can take root and kind of change things. So the person we're going to look at in the Bible, who is the first person to be deceived? Eve. No. The devil, okay? The devil was deceived before her, and then he deceived her or aided in it. So we're going to talk about the devil really quick. My small group was excited about this. It kind of bothers me. <laughs> so Keith Green, he said the devil is a church kid, okay? He grew up in the best place that you could ever be. Jesus was there all the time. The devil was actually like the worship leader in heaven. He was around Christians who worshiped Jesus every day, all day, every day. They, I mean, he lived in heaven. And this is why he's a clever enemy. He knows what's true, and he distorts it just a little bit. Because if you just distort it just a little bit, then you kind of deviate away. It's just different at first, but the further you go, the further away from the truth or the light in the end. So the devil is not the primary way we're deceived. If he was deceived in heaven... You can't blame anybody else there that kind of like came in. Like, what was the devil for the devil, right? It started in him. 
And this is the pattern that we're going to look at because it starts in us too. He's not the primary we're deceived. So we're going to look at this. Isaiah 14, 13 through 17. says this, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. Those who see you will stare at you and ponder over you. Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms? Who made the world like a desert and overthrew its cities? Who did not let his prisoners go home? So because the devil got deceived in heaven, this isn't just for people who have never met the truth. It's for everybody. If you know the truth and you know Jesus, this is also for you guys to hear too. So don't think, what? Okay. So we're going to look at the first step. He said, it's like descent, development of deception. He said, I will... uh, mount up into the heavens. Basically what he's doing is he's aspiring to be like God in an ungodly way. Like Lecrae says, he wants to be, didn't want to be like God, he wants to be him. The beginning of deception is when you decide, I no longer want to surrender my life to God. That my chief end is no longer to glorify God and obey him forever, it's something else. And God and all my brothers and all my sisters are just either going to hold me back from that end or they're going to get in my way, and I'm going to run through them. We call this an independent spirit. An independent spirit is deviation from Christ and denial of our need for him. But it's confusing. Isn't it good to be independent? Haven't you heard that your whole life? Be independent. Don't depend on anybody. You're not a charity case. Don't take anything from anybody. You need to, you need to believe in yourself. All these things, right? Principles of the world or follow Christ. Think of that. How many principles of the world are like birthed from an independent spirit and are godless? It's kind of scary. It will like, y'all, it will ruin songs. It will ruin, like if you think about this, you'll like want to tear down posters like in your teacher's rooms. You're like, that's not true. Um, It's like an independent spirit is like so crazy. If you study the Bible, you'll see this development like all throughout it. In the Old Testament, if you look at the kings, you look at, you know, any of these kings, they, they start out and it's like, this man uh, walked with God just like his father, right? You like read that like about every single king. You're like, oh man, he's like, he's right with God. He's like tearing down these idols. He's like going to town, right? And then God says like, look, you're doing great. I want to deliver your enemies into your hands. And so he does. And they win all these battles. And that's what happens. The king gets an independent spirit. And he says, I don't need God. Look at how sweet my armies are. Look at how strategic I am and all these things that I've done. And he, and he disregards God. And then God says, what are you thinking? Right? He's like, what are you thinking? You forgot about me. And now, because of that, I'm going to deliver you into the hands of your enemies. This is like all throughout the Bible. It's also really sad when it happens nowadays. Um, so what happened, if you walk with God long enough, you'll see your friends, and you're like, oh, man, this guy's, like, on fire, right? And then you look up, and one day he's like, where is this guy at? Like, for real, this is, like, so crazy. The guy who brought me to Kyle, he, like, introduced me to my small group leader. 
Um, he was my, he was legitimately like my best friend freshman year. We went through LTC together. We did all these things, kind of like milestones. Like we gave our lives to God, and then we started walking with him like all at the same time. And then all of a sudden, months like actually like a year later, me and one of my other friends were like, where is this guy at? And we realized he was nowhere to be found. He was no longer walking with the Lord. And we were like, what happened? Like, what? where did he go wrong? And this is where it started. He decided that he no longer wanted to surrender his life to God. And he no longer wanted to trust his friends that he could do it all himself. So that's an independent spirit. This is why we honor each other. Honor builds a healthy dependence on your brothers and sisters. So a check is ask yourself, am I grateful for or to anybody, for anything. If you have an independent spirit, you'll say no because you did it all yourself. If you can say yeah, you might be in good shape, okay? The next thing is, uh, it says, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Basically, instead of when you walk with God, your desire is probably to see other people do pretty well, right? You want to serve other people? Okay, this becomes your desire for power. No longer for service, but for power. And this is what Jesus did. They call this selfish choices. This is the second step. Jesus was the exact opposite of this. He didn't come to be served. He came to rule and to build his kingdom through what? Service. Yeah. He like washed his disciples' feet. He died for people, right? Like that's, that's not what a king usually does, but that's what Jesus did, and he's our example. The next thing the devil said, I will sit, this is awesome, I will sit on the mount of the congregation in the recesses of the north. Okay, it's not that scary, like cool devil, whatever. Like you're not watching James Bond and like the the guy comes out and he's like, I will sit in the north. Like that's not going to happen. But if you look, if you like study what this means, the north, like the recesses of the north is this area that God judges from. Okay, and so what? What the devil's saying here basically is I become the judge and I decide what's right and wrong. Truth is what I make it at this point. You deny absolute truth and your truth becomes whatever you want it to be. So you no longer surrender to God. You no longer care about your friends. You, you get this independent spirit. You start making selfish choices and then truth goes out the door. There's no need for truth at that point. It's pretty crazy. So if you have been camping or around a fire with me, most likely I got bored and decided to play with it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Cold volleyball. Yeah. Most, most of, yeah, it's, it's kind of terrifying if it's your first time. You scoop down, you reach down, and you scoop up a coal, and you can, like, hit it around. Nate and I have done this for too long. <laughs> it's... <laughs> <laughs> well, let me explain that. So it's it's cool. It's it's super trippy. You can hit the coal. It's not like flaming or anything, but it's I mean it's it's on fire and you're hitting it around and you know usually there's people and you're like hitting it at them, but that's not the point. <laughs> coal volleyball is very fun. So you can you can hit it around for a while and it doesn't. It, I mean you're like ah oh, that's kind of weird, but you think like more in your mind you're like ah oh, this kind of hurts, and then after a while you're like man that actually kind of does hurt right. Your hand starts to hurt. But if you keep playing, like I've done, and so has Nate, you, it doesn't hurt anymore. It's awesome. It's like this sweet feeling where it's like, oh, this doesn't hurt my hand anymore. But then you start to smell something really gross, and you realize the next morning 
your hand really hurts and you burn the crap out of it because you've got blisters and it's all like dark and you're like, what was I thinking? And that's what this does. A denial of absolutes sears your conscience. Your conscience, one way that the Holy Spirit speaks to you, can be destroyed. If you sin so regularly in the same way so often, it kind of starts to become part of your character. And then your character doesn't feel bad anymore. And you can't hear truth because it's gone. Truth's not gone, but your ability to hear it is. And this is the last part. The final step. He says, I will ascend above the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. First of all, if you hear anybody say, I'm going to do this or like I'm going to make myself something, that should scare you because usually <laughs> that's like that's like overthrowing God, basically. Like he wasn't like, oh, yeah, God's going to give me this position. He's like, I'm going to take this for myself. Deception begins in your spirit, in your attitude, in your heart. It goes out to your actions, and then it finally rests in your head. And that's scary. Like I said earlier, the principles of the world say that if you believe the wrong things, then you'll start to live the wrong way. But like we're seeing, the Bible says, if you live the wrong way, then you'll start to believe the wrong things. We call this intellectual deception. And we say, intellectual deception follows moral rejection. So if at any point you're like, why am I believing this like craziness? Look at how you've been living. Winky said, if this is, this is how he explains it. You begin to construct an intellectual system that allows you to live the way you know you're not supposed to live. I didn't put that up there. I'll read it again. You begin to construct an intellectual system that allows you to live the way you know you're not supposed to live. It's pretty crazy. So once your mind is affected and you become deceived, not by somebody else, by basically by yourself, <laughs> the devil helps. He doesn't make it easy, I'll say that. But it's typically on you. Once your mind's affected, you become deceived, at this point, at this stage, level four, whatever you want to call it, you become a deceiver. And you lead other innocent people down the path to darkness. Pretty scary. Our God is the God of reality, and deception is the God of fantasy. Another name for believing fantasy over reality is insanity, cray-cray, whatever you want to call it. It's not a good thing to do. But look at this guy in 1941. This is insane, literally. Uh, it's called Operation Barbarossa. I might be saying that wrong. If you're World War II, you can correct me later. Hitler obviously was probably not living the best life he could have been living. He might have like had some qualms about some decisions he's made, right? At this point, this is like towards the end of the war. He, at this point, he doesn't care, right? And he, and he believes this thing. It's called the Doctrine of Ice and Fire. Y'all, don't even look it up. Like, I wish I wouldn't have said that. I, it's weird. And he, he believed that he was literally destined to rule the world and that there were powers over himself that were kind of like moving pieces around in order for him to become like the supreme world, world ruler. So what he did, because he believed this with all his heart, he is intellectually deceived. He sent 
his troops into Russia. First of all, not a good idea. Then he also did it in the winter time. Russia's never been in successfully invaded in the winter. So he decided this would be a good idea to do. And he didn't give them any coats. He didn't give them any cold weather anything. Russia, okay? You don't have to go there to know that that's not a good idea. Like, this is probably a pretty cold place. He believed that the, the ice would supernaturally melt in front of his troops in order to kind of, like, bring this, like, manifest destiny of him becoming the supreme ruler of the world. They didn't return, okay? So the deceived became the deceiver, and it cost however many lives, right? Crazy. So that's, that's not it. Okay, there's hope. So how do we defend against this stuff? How do we defend against it? Everybody's like, I'm going to write this down. Um, it's easy, okay? For real. It's like so simple. Jordan already touched on it. There's no trick. It's not, it's not like, oh, man, I didn't even think about that before. So the first thing you want to do, study what is real, okay? When the FBI hires people to work in a counterfeit, like work with counterfeit money, for the first six weeks of their job, all day, every day, they study real money, okay? They never see anything fake, which would be cool, but they know this is effective because for six weeks, all day, every day, they study real money at the point that they insert something counterfeit in order to deceive them. They instantly recognize that this is not real. This is not, like Jordan said, true. So you always study what's real. You can be innocent. If you don't know much about the occult or drugs or sin, that's okay. <laughs> if you know a lot about what's real and you know like, oh, shoot, this is what, this is what God says about blank, that's, you're in good shape, okay? So that's first one. Second one, and the way to study what's real, study the Bible, okay? But don't just, like, read it. Don't just be like, oh, yeah, that's cool. The Bible's supposed to be true, so I'll believe it. Like, figure out why it's true. Test it against other stuff. But make sure you study what's real. If, you, if you're like, I don't believe the Bible, and then I say, have you ever read it? And you say no, what else can I say? Like, there's no, that, that's, like, so crazy. So study it. Study it. Study it. Don't just read it. Don't just, don't just read it and get bored. Don't read it and think, oh, this isn't, like, what it's talking about. Study it. Go deep. Read other things about it. Ask people. Don't have an independent spirit, right? The next one, well, there's only two, is prayer, okay? Jordan, Jordan talked about this. If you, prayer is more than just talking to God. If you, or not Jordan, Sean did. If you spend time with the Holy Spirit, you're going to know his voice. Just like you know your best friend's voice. If you spend time with this person, and, and all these voices that come up, whether it's from you know, hopefully you don't listen to anything on Facebook, but if there's like any other things that you're hearing voices in, lies, any of these things, that even that you're saying, you'll know that is not the Holy Spirit speaking. That's something else. If you know what's real, you don't have to worry about what's not, right? So you want to stay a grateful, loving learner. That's it. We learned how to do that all last semester. I don't want to say that like if you missed it, you're out of luck. No, it's like the Beatitudes taught you how to walk in the kingdom of God. And that's how you stay a grateful, loving learner. That's it. So tonight, oh yeah, band, you can come on up here. 
as you guys worship, ask God to speak to your heart about areas that you think you might be or places that you're like completely blind about being deceived. At any point up, in, up until now, this is where the hope is. It lies in Jesus. You still have time. At any point up until now, deception can be recognized. It can be stopped. It can be reversed. And you can be reconciled to the Father. You know who he is. You can start a relationship or make your relationship right with God. So when you're praying, ask him. The Bible says examine yourself. Examine yourself. Ask God where you are, if you are, on the path in the development of deception. Okay? If you're like, oh, how did I get here? You, like, recognize something? Follow the pattern. That's going to answer it for you. It's pretty simple. And if you guys want more about this stuff, I stole it from Winky Prattney. Not everything, most of it. Uh, like, if you're like, I really want to know more about this, I will show you, like, it's, it's so easy to find. He says, so when you guys are praying, if you have an independent spirit, get into community. You can't do this by yourself. You really can't. You can for a little bit, but it's not going to be long-lasting. If you're making selfish choices, ask God to give you an opportunity to serve somebody. Tonight, as soon as tonight, you could buy someone's meal or take them home or, I don't know, like let them borrow your jacket. Something, you know, just serve somebody. For real, that's like, that's all it takes. The second two, you want to recognize them, but it's going to take a little less effort from you, and you're going to really have to trust that Jesus is going to do this for you. If you have a seared conscience, ask God to heal it and restore it so that you can hear his voice and trust in truth again. Not truth like, oh, that's true. Not deep. That's the opposite of truth. Or that's like the, that's the enemy of truth. Oh, that's deep. Anybody can find something that's deep. It doesn't even have to make sense. You want to find something that's true. Okay? And if you have any framework of intellectual deceit, ask God to show you the truth of his son and run back and be reconciled to him. He's really waiting for you. Think about, yeah. Anyways, remember at any point, always look to the capital T truth, who he is. He's a person and he's there. Jesus, we love you, God. Thank you for being our example being who we can trust in because you're trustworthy, God, you're faithful. We love you, Jesus. God, I pray that uh, that you would speak to us each individually, Lord God. When it comes to deception, when it comes to truth, God, it's not, it's not the same for anybody. Um, it's a pattern, but it's not the same specific things for anybody, Father God. So I pray that right now, Lord, you would speak to each one of us here about this, God. If we're not dealing with deception, God, help us to continue to study what's real. If we're on the right path, God, help us to continue to look to you and just be overwhelmed by how good you are, Lord. But if we are on the path of deception, God, I pray that you would point it out and give us the courage to put our trust in you because you are true, because you are faithful, Lord. We love you, Jesus. And I pray. Amen.